Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Guards of Eden. Today's guest is Trisha Barker. I met Trish about two years ago on a life coaching course, which was called Coaching Within Education. It was a five-day course, so I did get to spend a good amount of time with her over that time. And I found her energy super upbeat, really friendly, real fun. And that was really something that warmed me to her. And then I heard that she'd already built her business of life coaching. And I found that super intriguing. Over those five days, I got to know her a little bit better. And over the last couple of years, it's been amazing to see her build her business. I find the one thing that was really interesting about Trish when we sat down was hearing how she had built a business and even though we can get lured into numbers and trying to grow everything, it was more so that she had built a business that was serving a bigger purpose than her, as well as building something that fit in with her life that she wanted to live, rather than becoming a slave to the business. I think there's a ton of value in her story and I really can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, three, two, one, let's go. Hey Trish, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm all good. Good, good. I'm here in the office and the abode. I'm loving it. <laughs> got you, got sa- you in the north. Yeah! <laughs> oh god, I love. I do love it here. I have actually really enjoyed it here. Yeah. My like couple of days here, I've really enjoyed it. Good. We've got you set up on the yellow therapist chair. Yes. That no one will ever see, but <laughs> I love it. Um, the first question, can you give me a song that reminds you of a happy time or a positive memory in your life? Okay, when anyone asks me to tell me one thing, what's your favourite book, what's your favourite movie, what's your favourite song, I always really, really struggle. Me too, big time. Um, And maybe that's because I'm a little bit indecisive, I don't like to choose, Um, I even do it with food. But if you made me choose a song because you're being mean yeah and i'm I'm gonna go with the flow because you've told me there's a reason why it needs to be just one song because i had three (laughs) if i had to choose one i would go right back to when i was a child so when we lived in a house our first house that i remember my mum used to have old records i used to put on the record player oh cool you probably don't remember those the first time around not the first time they're cool now aren't they yeah yeah but she used to put these different records on and we used to have sort of like um, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, Lionel Richie. But I just remember being a child with music really loud in the house and us all singing and dancing along to it. So if I had to choose a song from then, it would have to be Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Fantastic. Amazing and song. I've always loved it. It just makes me feel good now when I hear it. But interestingly, I read Oprah's book recently okay um i think the path made clear and she talks about the person who actually wrote the song is about that no mountains big enough for your dreams you no matter how big your dream is you can get there and that actually seems so apt now for what i do 100 percent. so yeah i love it that's my song yeah, I feel bad. What are your other two, just to get them off your chest? Well, it wasn't even. There was one, The Sweet Disposition by The Temper Trap. Okay. Love that song. Yeah. And that was the first time that I went travelling on my own. Ooh. I made a video of my trip, and that was the song that I chose. And still now, even when I hear it, it's just the way that it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, it was a time in my life when I was starting to grow, maybe starting to be... 
um, outside my comfort zone more, being more adventurous, uh, doing more things that scared me. So it was that was a pivotal one. And then I think the other one is just I love dance music. Okay. So I spent a lot of time in clubs in my 20s and 30s. So just club songs. Yeah. And I don't have a favourite in that. There's just yeah. way too many. <laughs> yeah, I always feel bad because I do ask for one song. And yeah. I would be the exact same. I'd have like five or six yeah. that I love. But that will live on a Gods of Eden Spotify playlist. <laughs> so that's yeah, the I'm next one. Yeah, I'm happy for I'd... that to be on there. Yeah, which is already an amazing playlist. I actually think... I've listened to it a couple of times just scanning along. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I'm such a fan. What was young Trish like growing up? Oh, what was she like? That's interesting. She was really interested in being out in nature. She loved to go out exploring. So whether that was playing with friends, climbing trees, she loved to get outdoors. Um, and a lot of the times her mum my mum would have to call me in to eat. I'd forget to eat as a child. It was just like way too much fun. And we lived somewhere where we could just play out all the time. I love to be creative. So I love to be drawing, reading, um, making things. You know, I I even um, made some roses. I got this rose water. I got the rose petals and crushed them all down and tried to sell it as perfume. You know, I was always thinking of how I could create something and probably at that point, the entrepreneurial spirit make money. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I was really creative, loved being outdoors, Um, probably a little bit quieter. Okay. But yeah, we're from a big Italian family. I'm oh. one of four children. So the other the other siblings might not agree that I was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> they probably definitely would not agree with that. But that's how I remember her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Because we met, the reason I thought let's start young, yeah. we met on a coaching with an education course. Yeah, we did. And the first thing I really remembered was... And of course, you have your own perception of people. But I remembered you having this like super fun, like upbeat energy. And then we kind of got in a conversation and you had this like, you're like, yeah, I've been coaching for like two, three years. And I was like, it's like the the perfect blend of fun, loving, free, yeah. as well as like, no, 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 I'm business. I've got it. Not all the way figured out because who does? But it was definitely not. <laughs> but I was like, wow. As someone that's looking to potentially go into that, that kind of sector, it was like the perfect way to blend both in terms of this fun, loving energy, but also being like, no, no, I have a business, I have clients and everything, you know, is going as well as it can do. Yeah. How did you find that course when we did it? I found it really interesting. And yeah. I think, you know, we, we know we've done NLP, we've done coaching. Yeah. So we know that actually, if you can get children young, you know, I if I look back, you know, when you asked me about being a child, yeah. without knowing it at the time, I did have... Um, crisis of confidence I did lack confidence I was probably a little bit shy because of that now children are are programmed from the age of zero to seven about what they believe about themselves and the world around them and then from the age of seven onwards we're reinforcing those things that we believe so if we believe we're not good enough we're not smart enough we're not cool enough all of those different things then we take them into our adult life and we just keep reinforcing it and it keeps showing up so the reason i think it's so important 
for coaching in education is if we can teach children really young that whatever you're programmed to believe you can change it yeah you can choose to think differently you can choose to step outside what someone's labeled you as Mm -hmm. you can reframe the experiences you've had you can learn to manage your emotions because at that age you just don't understand all of this and your brain is still it's still developing your brain isn't fully developed until you're your mid-20s so if we don't help children and especially i think now in the world and how fast it is and just social media and everything else that goes with it if we can teach them from a really young age how to manage their brain how to manage their emotions how to understand what's going on and then change it if it's not working for them Mm -hmm. For me, that's that's where the magic is because I work with people who have carried stuff from that age, yeah. but if they could deal with it earlier, yeah. then I would be out of business. But that's a great thing to be is that everybody just learns this stuff from a really early age. So I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that we were doing these exercises that the, co- the people that were taking the course were giving to children. And yeah. you were like... Yeah, it is fun, and you can see how a child would enjoy it. Like, yeah. I remember the draw, the drawing exercise we did where it was yeah. the boat mm. on the yeah, ocean, yeah, yeah. right? And you had to describe how you felt. And I use that now. It's such a clever exercise. And I, what I didn't realise and what came out on that course is the power of drawing something. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether you got the same feeling. As soon as they said to draw a boat, in my head I was like, oh, God, I can't draw a boat. Yeah, no. Not- it's going to be crap. Everyone <laughs> else's is going to be good. You know, that internal chatter yeah. was there. But then I drew it, and then I had to explain it to someone. Yeah. And it wasn't a fancy drawing, but the le- level of depth from explaining the drawing was phenomenal. It's I mental, was shocked. So I think, you know, that power of, like I said, when I was a child, I mm. love drawing, I love reading. Getting back into all those things, actually, as an adult, is incredible. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's great. I've got a friend, Natalie Costa, who okay. runs Power Thoughts. Ah, yeah, yeah, And yeah. she works with children, and she does incredible stuff. Yeah. And all of her stuff that she does with children, I would love to do all of those exercises. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I'd learn something and develop from it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you're ever too old to get involved in these activities of drawing, all of those things, and just put into your your mind to the side that I can't draw you can draw it might just be crap yeah but everyone can draw yeah and the thing you always need to remember is your brain will understand what you drew yeah. maybe no one else will know what it looks <laughs> like but that's not the point it's about what your brain interprets from that drawing oh yeah I'm a terrible artist so there was a lot of explaining <laughs> on my front I was like yeah so that doesn't look great but that's where I'm going with yeah. It. yeah and did you get a lot of depth from your picture? oh yeah it was terrifying almost. yeah it's a bit like oh god I'm bearing a lot of my soul yeah. here. and it was like day one I was like I know the no first really exercise <laughs> we did I've never met you before but I'm going to tell you my whole history yeah. from yeah, a drawing it was like the sea's really choppy it's like yeah my head's a little bit mental and I was like oh god no shh, shh. yeah <laughs> but I, what I found through all of these different personal development things whether I've been on seminars courses and I think this is one of the things that really helped me in my own development is I realised that everyone else has the same insecurities or the same troubles, and I used to just think it was me. And then the more I had these conversations and the more seminars and courses I went on, I was like, oh, yeah, we all feel similar in lots of ways. And it was I found it really comforting. Yeah. So what year did you set up your coaching business? Oh, good question. 2016. Right. 
Um, I left the corporate world at the end of 2015. Sure. I'd done some coaching whilst I was still working, oh, okay. um, but that was proving difficult just with the change of sed- schedule all the time. Um, meetings would get moved. Yeah. Trying to stay consistent for clients was proving quite difficult. So sometimes I'd be in a hotel room trying to do a coaching call, hoping that the signal would be okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I dabbled really before I I left the corporate world. And what were your early experiences of coaching like? My first experience of coaching is when I actually went to get some coaching, but I didn't oh. I, I didn't actually know what coaching was. So I was having a little bit of a crisis of confidence. I'd moved to a new company. I'd started a new role. The company had been acquired by someone else, so the environment wasn't great. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I sat there one day and I just thought, well. This isn't all going to change. Maybe I need to change. So Mm -hmm. I I Googled careers advice and up popped a life coach in Leeds because I lived in Leeds at the time. So I went to see this woman and didn't really have any idea. But even, I think I had three sessions with her. It really helped me to understand why I was struggling in that environment and that actually it wasn't so much me. It was that the type of job that I was doing didn't fit my profile. The company wasn't aligned with my values. It just gave me this understanding. And I was like, I'd worked in HR. I thought it was about helping people. I found it was more about policing and protecting the company and all of that so I was like I want to do something else I don't want to move to another HR position and um, we were exploring the different skills that I had and what I could do and she said to me I think you'd be a really good coach and you know that as a coach (laughs) you should never offer your own opinion no Um, you're there to ask questions yeah which which was so interesting but what I did is the feeling that I felt afterwards Mm. I sort of thought I'm interested yeah the way that you've helped me change the way that I think and the way that I feel in such a short space of time, maybe I explore this a little bit further. Mm. So I literally then went and went on the two-day free course with the Coaching Academy. Yeah. And there and then I was like, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do it. And the reason, most of all, was I can help people by helping them to do the work. Yeah. Because working in HR, people would come to you all the time wanting advice. Yeah. And I always thought you had to tell them because you were the expert and you were the specialist. But once I started to train, I changed even the way that I gave HR advice out. So it was just that's where it came from. I was just like, once I saw the power that it did for me, and I've always wanted to help people, Yeah. this was a way that I thought I can help people without it actually being me yeah yeah, yeah. i'm helping other people help themselves that was the thing that just the light bulb went off in my head and i remember ringing a friend and saying i've been on this two-day workshop and i want to do this new career and it's this much money and he was like are you sure you want to do it are you sure you want to invest and i was like oh because it was a big financial commitment Mm. at the time and i was like i'm just gonna do it yeah so i jumped in and i can't say that i did it straight away Oh, yeah, we were saying that. Yeah, because then I had a lot of insecurities. So then mm. I was thinking, okay, am I good enough? I've got to practice on people, real-life people who've yeah. got real-life issues that want me to help them, and I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah. So I avoided, and that's the classic imposter in me. I'm a classic avoider. Yeah. So if there's something that I can put off, that's what I'll do. So I signed up, but I didn't actually do anything for quite a while. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. When you then get into it, 
Oh, it, do you know what? It was still tough. It was still really? tough showing up and actually quite quieting in your own inner chatter in order to be there, not thinking about what's the next question, you know, really focusing on what the person needs. And if they're not moving forward enough, getting a little bit frustrated. But do you know what? It's just one of those things. The more that you did it, the more that you show up. And actually, I get a real buzz that once you start to see people making changes and they get the feeling that I got when I was coached yeah that's what I live for yeah those moments of clarity or you know even now with my clients you know we might have something where it just doesn't feel like anything's moving and then all of a sudden magic happens and they start to change the way that they feel or change the way that they're thinking about themselves or they start to do things that they would never do before that for me is it's just, it's pure magic. Yeah, I love it. Really it. It's oh. addictive. I'm addicted to the <laughs> results of what coaching can do. Yeah. Do you remember the breaking point that went from, you had, you know, this is massive box. I made the mistake again. It shipped to our office, not realising how big <laughs> it was. And do you remember the breaking point being like, no, 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 I'm going to get started? What was it? So I, I had the box for, I said to you earlier, yeah. oh, good. Well, I moved three times. And, and the it. box just kept moving. It just kept going. It was underneath the dining table. It was underneath the desk. And I just used to prop... I used to put my feet up under the desk on it. Um, and it was this scary box. Yeah. I just didn't want to do anything. And I moved... Before I moved to this house, I moved into another one and I decided on Saturday mornings I would start to study. And then I'd get it out or, and then i get distracted. But I don't know what it was. I went to some of the days... I started to do it. What I would do is I'd start. So yeah. the person in me is all enthusiastic. I'd start, but then I'd stop. Right. So back to the avoidance. Yeah. This is uncomfortable. I'm not feeling great about this. I'm not good at it yet. So rather than keep pushing forward and actually showing that I'm not good, I'll just avoid. Yeah. So it was start, stop, start, stop. And I can't remember what the turning point was. I think I just got but I think, and this is what happens with a lot of things, I just get bored yeah. of getting in my own way and I just think, right, that's enough now. It's time to start moving. But the biggest thing was I did the NLP. Ah, okay, yeah. So classic avoidance. I'm doing my coaching qualification. I'm finding it tough. So what shall I do? I'll then do the NLP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do something else. Instead, because I can't do one, I'll do two at the same time. So I convince <laughs> myself to do the NLP, which actually now I'm so grateful for. 100%. Because I think when I started with the coaching, I was, without knowing it, in my own head, didn't want to get out of my comfort zone, didn't think I'd be good enough, didn't think how I could go from a, a good corporate salary mm. into make it into a business. Yeah. All of this stuff was subconsciously running in the background and stopping me progressing doing all this stuff. When I went to the first NLP day, I remember being in the hotel room in the morning and I was so nervous. I was really nervous about going in with all these people and whether I'd be good enough and they'd all have their shit together and I didn't want to show myself up and was I smart enough and all of this stuff going through my head. And then I got in there and we all started chatting and then we had to start practising on each other and I just realised that everyone else has that same shit going on in their head. 100%. (laughs) All the time. 
But then what was great was when I was doing the NLP was like some of the stuff that I've been carrying around, like you said, from childhood and the, th- the things that I believed about myself and maybe some of those things through practicing with other people and working on those stuff, I started to feel lighter. Mm-hmm. I started to believe more in myself. I had more inner confidence. And once I'd done the NLP, then I went back and finished the coaching. Yeah. So would I have finished the coaching? No, it'd probably still be bloody stuck somewhere in this house <laughs> as an ornament. Oh, God, honestly, that that box came. And I think, I don't, I, I actually think the only reason why I done it so quickly, I guess you attack the momentum of it being fresh. I feel like it's one or yeah. the other. But also this idea of it was such a big box and it was at our office. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to take this home. <laughs> And then once I got it home, I was like, I'm going to have to open it now. Like it's there. Yeah. And I think that's why I got, I started strong with the NLP and got into that. Yeah. I was more intrigued by NLP anyway, was the God's honest truth. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of how that ended up going that way. Yeah. And then you ended up going into imposter syndrome. Yeah. So can you explain that to the listeners? Yeah. So when I first started coaching, I was coaching... When I, when I was doing the qualification, I was coaching anybody that I wanted coaching. You was just trying to find people to coach. And then it was like, everyone tells you you've got to have a niche. You've got to have something. And you're like, oh, what's mine going to be? Um, at the time, I was really focusing on health and well-being. So I started to coach people around that topic. And then about life balance, work-life balance, because I didn't really have any. And I, w- I was moving to try and get more balance in my life and put more healthy habits into my life so I started coaching people on that but when I actually left the corporate world what I found was I was coaching people who were exhausted didn't have time to think were literally working all the hours God sends um, didn't have any time wasn't eating well and I'd left the corporate world and I had I had more balance I um, couldn't resonate the same with them I was a bit like, I don't get it, because I'm, like, working less hours. I'm my own boss. I don't have that stress anymore. So I felt a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. And um, I was working with a coach at the time, because even when you're a coach, you still got to work on your own stuff. 100%. Um, and I was working with a coach at the time, and she was saying, well, you know, what? what's something that you've always struggled with? And I was talking to her about this feeling that I had in the workplace of, you know, never feeling good enough and always worrying that, you know, someone was going to say to me that, you know, you, we found out that you're not as good as we thought you were and <laughs> this worry about just being good enough. Yeah. And uh, she said, oh, that sounds like um, you were experiencing imposter syndrome. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I remember vividly, I had this orange pad at the time I wrote down imposter syndrome. I thought, after the call, I'll go and have a Google and see what it was. And after the call, I got on and I Googled it. I was like, shit, that's me. Oh, my God. That explains everything about how I felt, what I've been thinking, how I've been behaving. It all, it was like a jigsaw piece and I just put the the, the, the middle main. bit in, mm. the main bit that made the picture come alive to explain what was going on for me. And I remember feeling this huge relief. Right. Like seven out of ten people will experience it. Mental, isn't it? So it's more normal to feel that way than it's not. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I just thought this was me. 
and now that I realise lots of other people feel this way. But what was interesting was I'd already started to move away from the intensity. So if I'd have experienced and found out what it was called maybe three years earlier than that, I was in the depth of it. Ah, okay. I was really in the depth of feeling it, not knowing it, not working on myself really in that horrible space of having real high intensity imposter syndrome but what was interesting by the time I'd heard the term I'd already been working on myself yeah and it came from a place of I felt stressed that was the Um, first trigger for me I was experiencing stress in my body yeah I went to see an osteopath who suggested that I might do some mindfulness or meditation to stop my mind like literally he looked at me and said does your brain ever switch off and I was like (laughs) how do you know that from looking at me? And he said, it's all in your shoulders, I can see it. Wow. So he said, maybe look at meditation. So then I went on a retreat and then it sort of, then I started to look at what I was eating. So I started to make all these changes in my life with not actually knowing what the root cause was. Right. Because in fact, lots of people were in that environment and weren't stressed. Yeah. But it was how I was feeling about myself. You know, I was was taking that to work every day, not just the complexities of the job and all the stuff that I had to do. It was actually, I was taking this insecurity to work with me every day. And I was in my fight or flight mode all the time. time. My adrenals were knackered. So by the time I found out the word imposter syndrome, I'd already moved away from it and I'd started to believe in myself. I'd started to change some of the habits around actually caring for myself, mm. loving myself a little bit more. And I just thought, do you know what? It's one of those things that I probably will always have. Yeah. Like the intensity that I experience it now is low. Yeah. But every now and then it spikes and I'm yeah. like, whoa. But what happens now when I get an episode of feeling that way is I can get myself out of it quicker. Yeah. So whereas before it would last months and years, now I can, hours and days. Yeah. I can literally snap myself out with the tools and techniques that I use. So for me, why not be someone who helps people? You know, you can be the student and the teacher at the same time. Yeah. And then I can always resonate with my clients. I will experience it so I know what you're going through. And I can be the person that says, look, look where I was. You can come to where I am now and feel like that inner confidence in yourself whatsoever you're growing still. So, yeah, that's it chose me, really. And it's kind of like maybe you found it at the perfect time to be able to make it something rather than a label that you could use as an excuse. Yes. You used it more so in a way that... No, 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 I can make a business out of it. And yeah. You, you could see that you could transition out. Yeah. And then found out the label, whereas a lot of yeah. people... Like, one that always comes to mind is, like, dyslexia. Yeah. People are like, I'm dyslexic. Yeah. And it's like, you have dyslexia, first yeah. of all, is what it is. Yeah. It's not... You're not... Yeah. That isn't who you are. Yeah. It's just something you happen to have. Yeah. And a lot of people use it... Can use it as an excuse to feel like they limit themselves on education yeah where there's all these fantastic people that have succeeded and have dyslexia and it's this idea of you don't use it as a label to to inhibit progress you just an understanding and awareness but that you can use it to help others right yeah and you know what i went to a seminar with tony robbins in london after i did my nlp and i remember at the time a light bulb going off in my head saying i've been hiding the way that i feel and my experiences for so long but maybe that's the thing that can help people yeah 
instead of hiding it and pretending I've got all my shit together and giving this external thing, maybe I allow myself to be a bit more vulnerable because maybe that can help people. Because you get a lot of that at that weekend where you hear the inspiring stuff and realise that actually most of us haven't got our stuff figured. And I thought, why do we why do we pretend? No idea. Is this like this protective mechanism we've got built into us that let's just pretend we've got our shit sorted out and we look at it as a weakness if we haven't. And I think society and the workplace actually doesn't doesn't support you being vulnerable yeah. in a lot of ways. But I think I think the tide is turning. It it's is. nice to see that a lot of people are being more vulnerable. But yeah, for me, just being able to resonate with people. But if I'd have heard the saying like you said years before, I wasn't in a place to help people then. No. I literally needed to help myself. Even when I signed up for the coaching, if I'm being honest, I think I was so drawn to it because I still needed to sort my own shit out. Yeah. And the thought of what it could do. So I think anyone who wants to help other people, you've really got to help yourself. Wow. You don't need to be fixed because there's no such thing as fixed. No. We are always work in progress. There's always a journey. But you've just got to start that journey for yourself. Yeah. And then you can start to help people. Someone once gave me a wonderful piece of advice that I've never forgot. It's like you're not helping the whole world. You're helping people who are two steps behind you. Yeah, wow. Where you used to be. And then you, with your own development, you're going to move on two steps. And then the people that are two steps behind you then, then you help them. So stop trying to... Same with imposter syndrome. You know, when you think you're not capable of helping people, stop trying to think about helping everybody because... There's other people to help those people that aren't there for you to help. Yeah. You just focus on the people who need your help who are two steps behind you. Help them get to where you are. Oh, I love it. That's such a great way to put it. It is, because it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I think that was the year I met you I'd done the Tony Robbins thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that year. It was like 17, 2017. Yeah, it was. It was a couple of years ago, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 I want to bring up something that was on your website that really yeah. stuck out to me. Okay. And I've got the bit of prose here. Oh, cool. So I'll read it. And it was a sentence that started with, in fact, I shied away from shining too brightly. And I want you to explain that time in your life, but I'm going to read the paragraph first. Yeah, good. I was just about yeah. to say, I don't yeah. know what context I wrote that so, in. In fact, I shied away from shining too brightly and didn't want to raise my profile and be seen. But despite that, I was noticed and was approached to take on more responsibility by bosses. Every time I earned a promotion or got a new role, I had the underlying fear that they would realise they had made a mistake and I wasn't the right person for the role. I'd think to myself, what have they done? I can't do this. Who do I think I am? I'd spend time chatting to friends about my insecurities, yet that feeling never went away. And one thing was for sure. I could never confide in anyone at work. I'd be seen as being weak and perhaps they would fire me after all. Despite all the success in my career, I was waiting to be found out, thinking I wasn't any good, any good at what I did, comparing myself to the girls with my perception of their posh accents and university degrees. Mm. I found that interesting because, like I said, I, I met you and you had this such lovely positive energy. I could never imagine you feeling that way. What was it like to feel that way then? in comparison to what it is like now, I guess. 
It's interesting because I can still feel like that sometimes around posh people. It all comes from when I was 10 years old, we moved down south. Right. So until then, I never knew that I had a different accent to anyone else. I didn't realise that other people didn't sound like me. We went to a school where everybody spoke in a posh south southern accent. Yeah. And the kids started to make fun of me. And, you know, never from a place of making me feel insecure, but that whole thing about my voice, that I didn't feel as smart as them. Again, it's back to the childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, from that age onwards, I was really conscious about how I spoke and had this perception in my head that if they were laughing at me, then they must have been smarter than me. And the way that I spoke wasn't as good as the way that they spoke. So... I took that into the workplace and still now I catch myself and go, no, hang on a minute, just because you're posh. Because you've got posh accent does not make you smart. We've got enough evidence out there in the world (laughs) that proves otherwise. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) So I think at that time, it'd be interesting. I think I gave a really good external mask of probably still coming across in that way, but underneath not feeling it whatsoever. And that was draining to go in every day and pretend to feel a certain way, behave in a certain way was exhausting. Like I I used to be so tired all the time. I used to sleep. I used to come on from work and sleep. I'd wake up in the morning tired. Just it was exhausting. And it's just this whole mask that you wear. So did I show it? Probably not. I was probably really good at hiding it. Yeah. But I would never put myself forward like my career happened because people believed in me I would get comfortable in a job and then I would start to do things that were outside of my role because I felt comfortable but then that was shining a light on some of the skills that maybe I hadn't shown so it was what other people saw in me and then they would put me forward I would still be probably working as a receptionist in a solicitor's you know, working below my... Not you know, there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. working below the potential that I had, I was always selling myself short of what I could do. I would go for the what was comfortable and easy rather than the stretch. Yeah, because it stuck out to me because obviously I, you know, checked out your website, looked at everything, and that one paragraph, it really resonated with my experience at the Body Coach early on. Yeah. Because I was 22 didn't know shit about offices. I'd never, <laughs> the, you know, the poshest job I had was being a, a bartender in a posh pub. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was like to operate in an office and not be making minimum wage and yeah. like, you know, having to really make intellectual decisions as well as like practical yeah. decisions. And it really spoke to me because yeah, I, I was really fortunate in that, in that business early on to get promoted early and get yeah. more responsibility. And I was like, they're going to find out that I'm just yeah. a fucking disaster. Like, yeah. Because if if they'd have put that job out, would you have applied for it? I think my own igno- my own brashness at a young age. Yeah. I went off brashness. I didn't go off confidence. Yeah. It was more so I got the initial job and then there was a promotion in three months and it just happened to be that I went from supporting clients on the plan to um, salesy. Well, yeah. not sales, but it was inquiries. And that was the team that was hiring a supervisor. And I kind of, I naturally just fell into that role. Yeah. But then I've kind of just been pushed into roles. I think once I got that supervisor role, I would have kept that job Yeah. almost forever. Yeah, same. 
because I that was the com- that was where I was like right this is where I've hit it now yeah I'm comfortable here it's not always easy but it's it's mm. a position that I've operated in and got comfortable with what that was and I've now had two other jobs there yeah but yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have applied no. for those two and if I'm being really honest I didn't have ambition I didn't have yeah. I didn't have these big dreams of wanting to climb a corporate ladder and get somewhere I, I just never had that vision yeah it just found I found it so interesting if you don't believe in yourself and you don't you know recognise your own worth then why would you have huge ambitions you just don't see them for yourself so Mm. I just never did I never thought about what's the next step a bit like you it's just like you we think you'd be really good at that and then I just progressed that way yeah yeah I just one day came in and they were like right so we're changing and you're doing this now I was like um okay yeah but but it's it's amazing you know I I'm so thankful for the managers that I had that they could see something in me that I couldn't see myself yeah so interesting yeah how was it starting off in HR it was really good. So I used to work for a travel company and I was, I can't remember what my job title was. I was PA to the overseas director at that point. Mm-hmm. So I started my career in more the admin side of things. And we had this HR department and a HR director at the time that was really inspiring. So I just had this feeling, I want to work in HR. I want mm-hmm. to work in HR. And I remember applying for a couple of jobs that came up and both times it came back that I didn't have any experience in HR. Right. You had to have previous. Yeah. And really they were doing admin jobs like I were, but they were looking for someone who'd already worked in that environment. And it was sort of, I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm not going to get the experience unless someone gives me the experience, but I can't get a job because I need the experience. Yeah. Um, so sort of that dream sort of in that company sort of just kept hitting a roadblock. Mm. And then I actually left. I went to live um, in Hove down south and I got a temping job Uh um, whilst I was looking for something. And then I got a job working as a PA to the HR director. Sure. Ah, okay. Now that HR director a week after I started left. (laughs) She was like, I can't stand this company. And I was like, great. You didn't tell me that at the interview. Uh, So I started working there and there was an interim HR person who was doing another role at the same time. And just through, because she was doing two roles at the time, I took on more responsibility. I started to be more of the HR advisor. So I sort of like crept in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then I was a HR, uh, I think it got changed to a HR administrator. And then I would just, I was always hungry to get involved more, always hungry to learn more. I found it so fascinating and interesting that it just sort of, within that company again, they sort of carved out a role for me. Yeah. So that's, I sort of got in through the back door, really. Yeah. I wanted to get into HR. I couldn't get into HR. And then it it just finally came about for me. Yeah. And then, yeah, so to do all this coaching stuff, you started studying. What was it like? Because you studied before, right? Yeah. So when I was um, working in the corporate world, I studied... When I first started working in HR, they wanted me to do the CPP, which is the first part of the qualification for HR. So I remember just again, I found it so difficult because my expectations were so high. I didn't think I was smart enough. I found everything difficult. Every time I tried to learn something, it was like my brain was shutting off. Um, But I did it and I I got a distinction. I got really good marks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But even then I was like, oh. 
did yeah. you know yeah. did i did i really earn that you know even when that happened i didn't look at it as a big deal and then they wanted me to do the university and That's i was right. like no and i did everything <laughs> no. to avoid it yeah. everything they always talked about it in the appraisal and i was like yeah i'm too busy yeah. but really the thing was i didn't, didn't um i didn't want to do it and i didn't think i was capable of doing it right. but then in the last company that i worked in um, I started to do it. The thing that I found quite refreshing was I knew a lot of it because I'd learnt it on the job, but trying to fit in um, a degree, a postgraduate degree, whilst travelling all over the country, working 60 hours a week, just getting to a class yeah. was really difficult. So I only did the first year and then dropped out. So I never actually, the whole of my career in HR, was never fully qualified. Uni dropout. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Showing that you don't need one to be successful. No, and to be honest, I've worked with people who, same as me, had no experience and they learnt it on the job. And then people who've been to university and studied it, those people can still come from a same level playing field because you just come from a different education. One is a academic education and the other one is workplace education. Yeah. But, yeah, you can have such a hang-up on they've all got degrees and I haven't, they've got a posh voice and I haven't, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Now I just don't see that. I think education is a great thing, but I think self-education and the way that you can teach yourself things now and the way that you can learn things, it doesn't always need to be through academic. Yeah. Through your coaching experience and studying to become a coach, did you learn a lot about yourself along that journey? Oh, God, yeah. Really? Yeah, massively. And again, through the work that I've done, the the courses that I've done, the seminars that I've been on, the coaching that I've had where I've paid for coaches to work with me. Yeah, for me, I I just see myself as this person who's work in progress. I'm never going to be a finished article. Um, Every day I do something that's good for my mind to help me grow, whether it's learning about growing my own vegetables (laughs) or learning how the brain works or learning about all these different things. For me, it's just this... I've just got this passion now for lifelong learning, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did have a massive block that when I did my NLP practitioner, mm-hmm. someone helped me to change a belief that I I wasn't good at learning. Ah. See, that's the smart thing about the NLP course. You've yeah. got to try and find some stuff yeah, yeah, that you yeah. really want to work on. They were on. like, what, have you got any beliefs you want to change? I was like, oh, I don't know. You, you really don't know what yeah. you don't know at the time. But um, when we did the NLP session, what I realised was there was a teacher that once said to me that I wouldn't amount to anything. And I was being a shit in the classroom, so (laughs) he's probably having a hard day. He's got this shit in the classroom. He's just not behaving. And he turned around and he just... He he literally gave it me two barrels, shouting at me. I can't remember the whole context of it, but basically he said to me, you won't amount to anything. And this was the thing that every situation that I went into, so like I was saying when I did my CPP and anything like that, anything where I went into a learning environment, I went into a a real place of fear. Yeah. Like they are definitely going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. When Actually, when you're learning, you don't know what you're doing. Like it was so... the whole point. My whole thinking was crazy. I'd go on a course with work to learn something new and because maybe it's something to do with HR and I was on the course as well, I was scared that everyone on that course would be going, well, why don't she know this? So I would go into these learning situations from a place of fear and knowing that 
it just shuts your brain down. Yeah. So even if you want to learn, your brain's not taking the information in any way. Um, yeah, so once I got rid of that belief that actually I'm no good at learning and actually that I am growing and evolving as a human being, I could just learn more now and it's cool. Yeah. Whereas I think I got rid of the fast phobia cure. Oh, yeah. I got rid of the needle needles and heights. Ah. And that was wild because I was like, well, they're the only two things I'm like... Guess so mine was talking on. in front of people. Was it? Yeah. Because, again, that was another one. I, and I didn't know because I, I don't have any fears or phobias as such at the time. Yeah. I couldn't think of any. I definitely don't have any phobias. Mm. And they were saying, what fears have you got? And I was like, oh, maybe speaking in front of people. And that was back to in the classroom when I was about six years old, had to stand up and do some reading. I remember being stood up. And I, I obviously, whatever I was reading, I said something wrong. Right. But it obviously was funny, yeah, and everybody yeah. laughed. Yeah, right. But they changed it, and now my now I, it's really funny because when I think of that memory, <laughs> my teacher is dressed like a clown, <laughs> and, he, and he's got these big red boots on. Oh yeah. So we've changed the memory, yeah, so now yeah. I don't have the memory of people laughing at me when I'm speaking. Yeah. I actually have this clown in front of me that yeah. I find him funny. Yeah. Um, so. And clever. now you know I deliver workshops. I'll do speaking. You know, I'm much more comfortable in front of a camera, in front of a group of people. So, yeah, again, it's just amazing what NLP can do, that all these things that hold you back, they don't need to. Mm. If, you re- if you really want to change them. And people don't believe it. People who say to me, oh, you're really good at speaking, I say, I used to hate it. I was petrified of it. It's wild. Yeah. It is wild. Whereas public speaking, I once again, I think I did it so young when I was yeah. so, like, brash and ignorant and just didn't think on that level yeah that now it's something i'm not bad at like i'm quite comfortable yeah if you go right i need to go speak to 30 people yeah just go and do it so i kind of i didn't once again didn't know i didn't know and also as a kid my mum like for some reason my mum just put me in like really outrageous clothes which i'm as you can tell now not the case at all i'm like all black everything all the time yeah but I think she remember, I, she's got a photo of me at like Legoland at three and it was like you had to be in there was like a show and you could be a kid that was like in the clown show and they dressed you up as a clown my mum was like you were just well up for it like straight away <laughs> and I was like I was like I look ridiculous why did you let me do that she was like Cause you, you were into to. it just yeah. on way, yeah go on and I was like oh god my mum's like but then my mum's the opposite she's really comfortable in conversation but then yeah. if I said to her right mum I need you to go do a speech in front of 20 people like even if you know them yeah she'd be like petrified I say this all the time about people who say I wish I had your confidence you can just have confidence in different situations mm-hmm. like my mum would say I'm more confident than her but she does things that I literally oh <laughs> if she said to me go and do it I'd be like no I don't want to do it And but she can do it yeah. so you can be confident in different ways so there's strange. no such thing as confident and not confident mm. because even if you're not comfortable public speaking or in groups you probably are, are confident whilst you're in your friendship group or with your family yeah so you can't say that you're not confident because there'll be places in your life that you are at ease and you feel comfortable and feel confident it's just which level and which situations you have it yeah i think it's where i'm so detached yeah public speaking yeah i just think of that as a separate person yeah for like a bit it's not really me i just go right just do that get it done and then done then i'm like oh back to me yeah 
So that really helped. I did have some um, training years ago how to train the trainer. So it was like a a week-long intensive course about standing up and having hecklers in the Ah, audience and how to deal with them, uh, which was really interesting at the time. And I think, although at that time, I was hugely stuck in my imposter syndrome. So the whole time of the course, I never thought I was good enough, even when I did well and got good feedback. It was it was probably one of the worst weeks of my life where I was thrown into not even my stretch zone, in my panic zone. I was yeah. out of my comfort zone, but in panic. But yeah, I did really well and just couldn't see how well I was doing and how actually it was something that I could do quite naturally. Yeah. But yeah, once NLP, I changed that thought of people laughing at me and changing that programming in my mind. Just opened up new opportunities. <laughs> I love NLP. It's so fucking cool. In uh, it still amazes me. Yeah. What you can do. One hundred percent. Some of my clients who've had things and traumatic things mm. that they've been carrying around for years. After one session, we've we've changed it. It's wild. It's super quick effective. And then they go, Where, where's it gone? And I'm like, do you want it back? And they go, no. I go, well, stop thinking about it yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about where it's gone. Yeah. It's not coming back. Yeah. So interesting. They've had it for so long that now they don't have it. It feels weird. Yeah. But a good weird. Yeah. One question I wanted to ask, because me and you have spoken about it yeah. before in private, is learning to accept compliments. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I really struggle. I still I still struggle, but you gave me a great piece of advice in terms of just saying thank you, even if you don't really believe it. Yeah. Just shut up, say thank you, I yeah. appreciate it, and then move on. Yeah. How have you found that over the years, kind of getting more comfortable with positive oh, I'm, feedback? I'm, I'm really good at accepting compliments now. <laughs> yeah. But, it's it, again, as anything, it's a journey. Yeah. Like, And also, if you care about other people, then actually it's really horrible Mm. to throw someone's compliment away. Yeah. Someone told me that years ago, and that stuck with me. Mm. Like, it's not you disregarding it. It's that you're saying what that person is saying is not valuable. Sure. And as soon as that's in context as well but yeah to start with i'd just say and it may be just like it might not even be about your talents or your mm. skills it'd be like i really like that dress you're wearing and i'd go thank you and they're like oh my god this is so uncomfortable what do we say now and then you want to go back to the old way because the old way made you comfortable yeah of what this thing 10 pound primark yeah. you know you would just put it down that it wasn't anything of significance but just over time getting more comfortable and I think also working on your own belief that actually you start to believe more in what you're capable of and actually yes I did do a good performance there was room to grow but actually I do think I did well on that so when people say it it resonates more with you But to start with, you don't believe it. So you've yeah. just got to keep saying thank you, thank you. And it's just what you're doing is you're creating a new neural pathway in your brain yeah. to think different when someone gives you a compliment and you won't always get it right. And sometimes you'll go back into that making a joke or degrading yourself or something like that or um, the avoidance or distraction. But then you take yourself back to just saying thank you again. And like, yeah, I'm I'm good at it now. Yeah. If someone gives me one, one, I appreciate it. Yeah. Two, I want to respect that person that if they've decided to give me that, I'm gonna take it. We've done disc, I'm an eye personality, so I yeah. love compliments. Yeah. 
Sometimes it doesn't need substance, uh, but that's our personality type. Yeah, and just having that more sense of belief in yourself, that when someone says, I really enjoyed your workshop, it was really good, I get this sense of, oh, thank you. Yeah. And I really I really mean it now when I say thank you. Yeah. Because I appreciate that everyone's busy and everyone is in their own head and in their own lives. That For someone to take their time out to give you a compliment is actually like giving you a gift. That's the thing. You have to think... For me, anyway, I've had to learn to think of it that way. Yeah. And it's a habit. Yeah. So you'll slip back into your old way because it's comfortable. Um, The brain loves the familiar. So if you are good at disregarding compliments and then you start to try this new thing, your brain will go, oh, this is new, this is difficult. It wants the familiar. So it wants you to go back to the old way of responding to compliments. You just have a choice. Yeah. And even if you fall back into the old way, you go, okay, next time I'm going to choose to say thank you. And it is bloody uncomfortable to start with, especially if you just say thank you and nothing else. Like it just feels like there's this pause that, you know, as big as a Grand Canyon. But over time, yeah, I just look in their eyes and smile and say thank you. Yeah. For all the self-development stuff that you've done, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself? I think the biggest thing through all of it is about what you believe. Mm. That's been the biggest realisation for me and still continues to be. And it's a, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is around what you believe about yourself and the world around you. And the fact that you can change what you believe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, I used to think that I was who I was. I couldn't change who I was. Why did I think this way? Why did I act that way? I was really stuck in a fixed mindset. I never knew that actually with, you know, I'd I'd picked up self-help books, but I'd never read any of them properly. Mm. I sort of wanted to read them, but I'd probably get two chapters in and then, you know, it'd go off. Call it shelf development rather than (laughs) self-development because it just sits on the shelf. It doesn't actually do anything. Um, And I was in the shelf development stage for a while. But I think as soon as I, the, the light bulb for me was that whatever you believe about yourself doesn't, it's not a fact. Yeah. And it can change. You know, you once believed in Father Christmas, you don't believe in Father Christmas now. If you found evidence to not believe in him, you can change what you think about yourself. That, for me, is a deal breaker. Everything else that I learn in life is wonderful, but the fact that you can change your beliefs, and if you change your belief, you change the way that you think, you feel, and you behave, that changes everything in life for you. Absolutely. For me, that's the crux of imposter is start to change the way that you what you believe about yourself you can start what i started to do was i started to do yoga and meditation and eating healthy and whilst they made me feel good for a short period of time mm-hmm. it, it was like having a drink yeah it'd wear off but if you start to change the way that you believe and think about yourself then that has a lasting effect yeah so that's been the biggest impact and still even when i start to see my clients start to question what they're believing and start to create new ones that they go I sort of think that actually I'm a bigger deal than I thought I was in a you know not an arrogant way but just starting to recognize that they they have got really good qualities about them that that has been the biggest realization and there's that becomes a really endearing quality in a person yeah when it's the confidence it's not an arrogant confidence but it's just no it's an energy almost like yeah. i've learned with like interviewing people like you and all these people i've been speaking to it's like i describe them all as confident but they're not arrogant it's just an yeah. energy that they carry themselves with it's like 
that you buy into them being a bigger deal. Yeah. It's interesting. One of my clients recently said, if I don't experience imposter syndrome, then I might become arrogant. Mm, yeah. So she was holding on to it because she yeah. thought, if I don't doubt myself and I don't put myself down and I don't worry about this stuff, then I'm just going to become one of these people that's really arrogant and self-centred and thinks they're amazing. And the the thing is, if you're not arrogant to start with, you're not going to become arrogant if you start to believe in yourself. You're still going to have them same lovely qualities that you had before. If you're a dick and you're an arrogant yeah. person before, then guaranteed you'll still have that afterwards. Yeah. Maybe you can tone it down a little bit. But yeah, it was really interesting how they thought they needed to keep on to their... They needed to keep hold of their imposter syndrome so that they didn't become arrogant. She doesn't think that now, but she did at the time. Yeah. Yeah, because you see arrogant people that have got imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's still... It's not like they're mutually exclusive. No. There's loads of people that think they're amazing, but really they're like... Oh, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, I think I'm amazing. Yeah. They're the like, real imposters. Yeah. It's they like, think they're yeah. amazing, but they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the worst thing about them, they're harder to like. So. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she, you know, this client's got amazing personality, amazing qualities, and she will continue to have them. She's not going to turn into this arrogant person who's going to then, you know, disregard yeah. all the things that she that's good about her already. Yeah, I completely agree. How did your friends and family react when you went full-time as a coach? Um, They were really good. I think when I first was deciding to do it, my mum, bless her, how you know know, how you're going to live, how you're going to, are you sure you want to do it? My grandma, bless her, she passed away before I quit my corporate job. But she used to always say to me, why do you do, why, why don't you just get a job local? So you can spend more time with your family and be more at home. You're here, there and everywhere. She said it in an Italian accent. Um, (laughs) But she had this real thing about, you know, the world's big, but it really isn't because your family unit and where you live is really important. And I used to say, yeah, but grandma won't get the type of role that I need local. I need to travel to get that type of role. And she's like, but why? Um, So she always thought, she wasn't impressed by what I did. She just wanted me to be more probably healthy, happy and, you know, not have to miss family occasions because I was travelling with work and all of that sort of thing. So I'm gutted really she didn't see it, but she does see it. She sees what I do now from a different (laughs) space. But, yeah, so my mum probably was the... How are you going to make it work? How are you going to support yourself? Are you sure you're making the right decision? But, you know, once she got over that initial thing she said you know i believe in you you know whatever you want to do uh and all my friends and everyone have been supportive i think it's interesting because you do start to change i think when you're setting up your business you know you have to think more about budgeting you Mm -hmm. have to think about your expenditure because you know it's not just coming in every month and you know and i I was on a good salary before i left so i had that guaranteed income dropping into my bank account but yeah they've always been supportive oh that's great what's the funniest kind of i guess it's like an accidental insult i guess when you've told people that you're a life coach for a living like what's the funniest bit one that you've kind of gone they've unintentionally said something that you're a bit like yeah not a massive fan of the fact you said that i don't know whether it's about a life coach but people um say how's your little business going that's one that really sticks in my head how's your little business going and i just go really little business little business (laughs) um and i had one recently that uh we laughed about 
and that said you know well uh, people who run these lifestyle businesses you know they, they don't have much what was it something like much ambition or they're quite happy to plod along or something like that and I just thought mm. this person what they were saying were is to be successful as a small business owner the more stuff you've got on premises shows how successful you are right. and people who run lifestyle businesses in quotes obviously don't want to aspire to that but what I didn't realise was that you can still have the success how you want it because I don't want all of that. Yeah. I don't want buildings. I don't want staff. I don't want all of that. So, yeah, that was quite this lifestyle business. He sort of looked down on people who wanted to build a business around their lifestyle rather than yeah. build a lifestyle around their work. It's the opposite way around. So, yeah, little business and... Um, sort of derogatory comments about creating a lifestyle business little business yeah little how's your little business going <laughs> i don't know what to say to it i really yeah. like mm, i usually tosser. wouldn't answer that question but you've got such a fantastic sense of humor that i can just yeah i don't know what i've said to it i've had it a few times and i can't recall what i say <laughs> but i will think of something on the spot yeah <laughs> Yeah, and there's probably something that's a lot more derogatory that goes on in my head that doesn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I use the emotional intelligence there to yeah. keep myself quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. let me tap into a different energy that I want to get into. One. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> when I say the term work-life balance, what comes to mind? Um, I think there's no such thing. Completely agree. Um, I think it's just life balance. I think sometimes it's about... Listen, some people... I listen to some podcasts sometimes where someone works, they're up hustling at four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and then they do like four hours, three hours work before the kids get up and then they work really late. You know, for them, that's their life balance. Mm -hmm. for, for me, I just think it's whatever works for an individual. But I think at times one may tip one way or the other way but for me because when you think of work-life balance it's like it's one or the other yeah whereas actually work is just part of life and you know like when we do the coaching there's like a the yeah. circle of life yeah where you've got all the different segments for me that's about what does that wheel look like is the yeah. balance within that wheel in all the different areas finance relationships home work um, hobbies, whatever it is, you want to create balance, but also know that it's it's bloody hard work to have that balance. Yeah, yeah, I found it interesting because you spoke about it recently on on Instagram about, or maybe we spoke about it privately, but you just yeah. said I needed to take a bit more. Like it was a conscious decision to kind of decompress and relax and understand that it's okay to slow yeah. down every now and then. Yeah, definitely, I can. And I think that's with my, you know, imposter syndrome. I can, I've always fallen into the avoid situation. So not speaking up, not putting myself forward, procrastinating, all of that. They, they were the classic symptoms that I had of imposter syndrome. But then when I worked in the corporate world, I got into the overwork. Yeah. Because there was so much demanded of me that I would overwork. And I still have 
the say hangover of overwork so sometimes I can find myself even if I'm not working thinking that I should be working or thinking about the work that I should be creating so you may as well just do the work because you're using all your mental energy to think about work sometimes I think you've just got to especially when you run your own business is switch off you know when I had a corporate job and I started to put some of the things in place to help me feel better I created more healthy boundaries where the work line changed you know work used to dominate everything right yeah you know I'd be having a family meal and the phone would go off and I'd you know or I'd be on holiday and I'd be having a call with a solicitor by the pool you know the boundaries were just ridiculous I had no healthy boundaries mm-hmm. I think with work-life balance it's whatever it is is creating healthy boundaries in whatever area of your life so you can be a good friend and a good person in your family but there's still got to be some boundaries in there and every now and then I take myself off I've just been to Scotland and for four days I was switched off from the world it was me Milo and literally we were out in nature every day no wi-fi signal no tv no no external stuff going on it just allows you to rest yeah and you don't i don't think we realize how much we need to rest until we give ourselves that space and then we realize how bloody knackered we are Mm. so even though i think i've got a really good life balance now i still do get exhausted because i think we've just got these old patterns and we live in a a society that is promoting doing instead of actually just being sometimes completely agree the things that come to my mind when you say that firstly milo is a dog yes and he's a very <laughs> sweet dog he's For a five-year-old who, cockapoo he's loving it chilling yeah. at the moment he, um, sh- he shows me all the time how to live life what yeah, balance I mean, looks like yeah I mean I'm looking at him right now and he's having a great time doing yeah, nothing which I'm a massive probably, fan. yeah he sleeps probably about 20 22 hours a day really he stretches about 100 times a day he doesn't <laughs> overeat well no actually he would overeat if I if let, him. let him yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he forgets things really quickly he's playful yeah yeah they I tell you animals can teach us so much about how we should live for a healthy life yeah, I'm very envious of what he's, yeah. what he's got going on right now. <laughs> and the second thing that comes to mind, because I work in social media, I usually end up having to delete everything if I get any time off. Yeah. Which now with the podcast, I won't do this time while I've got this time off. But completely agree. The first time I did it, I did I did eight days off of social media in February. Yeah. And I felt like a completely different person because mm. I was really burned out in every yeah. sense of that word in terms of emotionally, physically, psychologically. Well, especially if you do it for work, so you're mm. on it. Yeah, I mean, when people talk about their screen time on the phone yeah, and then I'll show them mine, they're a bit like... Shit. Yeah, maybe I don't have it that bad. I'm like... That's you just probably still do. It's yeah. just not as bad as mine. Yeah. I get paid to do mine. Yeah, but um, what comes to mind is is that because of social media now and it being more of a 24-7 world... Yeah. You can access someone doing something yeah. all the time. So you can constantly be in a state of comparison. Mm. Being like, There's always someone you can look at and go, oh my God, like they're on this amazing holiday and it looks yeah. amazing. Or they're, you know, because everyone shows their highlight reel, I guess, of course for the most do. part. Yeah. But um, I just, yeah, you can always be guilted into feeling a certain way, right? That you should be doing more. I think for me, I sit down and say, what does success look like for me yeah. in life? 
and it, it, it's it's sometimes I want to help people so I you know my business is about helping people but I want to spend more quality time with my family I want to be able to you know we're coming into autumn and winter I want to walk Milo in the light every day I don't want to walk him in the dark yeah and then in my business what does success look like I want to be in flow and ease you know so I don't want to be in the hustle so I think you've just got to be really clear about what success means to you and I think this year I always pick a word for the year and this year I chose the word connection Ah. but really interesting I've had huge amounts of time off social media Mm -hmm. but I felt more connected to myself to other people in real life Mm -hmm. to nature to different circumstances that I've had you know we've got involved in some charities so interestingly I've spent less time on social media this year but I felt more connected yeah um but I I do appreciate that you need to be on social media to be able to share your message but there's this bollocks that I think it's a bit of control that I think you need to be on it more to beat the algorithm so that more people see your content so it's just making you a slave to this thing that wants to drain your time so you look up when you're 80 and think where did my life go so I'm I'm really stuck between this rock and a hard place I want to be on social media I love it I've met so many wonderful people I have so many good conversations we are always chatting on social media you know I love that I love the buzz of someone telling me they tried something that I said and it worked but it's where it's that balance yeah and I still haven't got that yet. Perfect. Am I either Anyone on it or I want to be off it? There's no healthy consistency for me. That's that's one of my biggest goals is to get consistent with sharing my message and helping people. That works for my life balance as well. Yeah, I think it's I think that's the most clever thing that they've done with social media. They've made it now. You have you, to be you, on it. You have to be on it almost, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're not, if you want success you're not rewarded it. for it exactly so yeah i think it's not i don't think anyone has the perfect balance just like work-life balance i don't know if anybody has the perfect social media balance but if anyone does can they share it with us yeah right exactly if you've got that formula (laughs) yeah 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 but um call me (laughs) let's chat i really want to talk to you if you've got the but i think the the formula (laughs) the question that you ask yourself in terms of what success looks like to you yeah i think there's so much value in that because there's so many people including myself that you don't ask yourself enough you can maybe ask yourself once yeah but you're constantly evolving as a human being yeah. so that changes that picture yeah. of what it looks like to be well what i find and journaling is has been huge for me right. my mind is a really busy place and sometimes like our bright i don't know whether people know but your brain is wired for the negative yeah. so it's looking for the negative and looking for the danger so even though i'm i work in the work that i do my brain is naturally wired for negative so if i allow it to go to that space it will go to that space what i find is if i'm finding i'm in comparison or i don't feel like i'm moving fast enough or i see that someone's had you know this huge success in their business if i leave myself in my head and in my thoughts it's not a good place to be but if I get a book out and a piece of paper and a pen and I go okay let's ask the question what does success look like what comes out is not what those people are doing anyway it's just these reminders to and it quietens my mind it calms me and it allows me to get more clarity so if I find myself in that striving I go but does that am I falling into the trap of following everybody else yeah Someone also said something wonderful to me. You know, when everyone else is going left, you go right. 
Yeah. So everyone else is striving for this big thing and building big businesses. I'm really proud to say I'm a company of one. Yeah. And I want it to stay that way. <laughs> I don't want to grow this big empire. No. I want to help more people and I'm trying to figure out how I can do that whilst staying true to my life balance. Yeah. But yeah, you've just got to sometimes take time out, which I know can sound hard, but when I wrote that list of what success looks like to me, and I only did it recently because I had to reevaluate it, because what it was when I left the corporate world four years ago, it was on numbers and how many people I could get and how much money I could make. And that's not where my business goes from now. So it's continually asking yourself these questions, but it took me 10 minutes. Yeah. I sat down for 10 minutes in just a quiet space with a pen and paper and it is amazing what actually your brain comes out with if you give it chance to explore that rather than just going round and round in your thoughts. Completely agree. And that's a challenge for the listeners right now. Yeah. Take 10 minutes. Yeah, just what does success look like for you? I actually drew mine. Did you? What, yeah. What end up? Well, if I just you for each I had I can't remember what they all are off the top of my head. I had creativity, connection, flow and ease. And I drew a picture for each one of those. Oh, I like it. So when I look at it now because that's one of the things I've done lots of creative projects this year. I like to draw things out because sometimes that like we said at the beginning where they made us draw the ship. Yeah. Sometimes the symbol has more meaning behind it than me just writing flow and ease. But for that, I remember I drew a river and it was just a... Ah. Uh, I could just see the water flowing nicely rather than it wasn't in the rapids, it wasn't still, it was flowing. I like it. Yeah. So take ten, 10 <laughs> minutes out and work out what success means to you because society and social media will have you believe in that we're all striving for bigger and better things. But sometimes it's brave to go, I don't want all of that. Yeah, completely agree. I want a bit more of a simplistic and a bit more of a connected life you know what's good if you've got all the stuff if you're not happy yeah chase the feeling not the stuff completely i think the minimalists do a really good podcast and i can't remember what they're saying is collect moments not things one thing that really intrigues me and i this always intrigues me about anybody that's had this career change yeah if i said to you now you could have you could know prior to starting in HR life coaching is where you're going to end up you can start it now if you want yeah and I give you that opportunity would you have taken it then no 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 I, I don't live with regrets I think no. I am who I am now through every life experience I've had maybe if you'd have given me it then I wasn't ready yeah um I needed to go through my own things you know I'm really passionate about helping people work through imposter syndrome if I'd have found life coaching then would I even be doing the work that I'm doing now with so many people experiencing this now it's a topic that we really need to talk about yeah I might not be talking about it if you'd have given me and for all the experiences I've been through there's lots of good things in there as well so I would never change it no definitely not no I always find that so interesting yeah because it's that's the really common answer even though it sounds counterintuitive yeah right? yeah to be like no that and i times. think actually what makes me maybe good in business although i'm still figuring it all out so i haven't got all my <laughs> shit sorted out so i don't think that but as i'm evolving a lot of the things that i learned working in a corporate environment working in hr working in a, a very male dominated aggressive environment working in somewhere that was fast-paced working in somewhere that were actually didn't have good values sometimes all of that has taught me 
and made me who I am today, I wouldn't be the same coach. No. So I bring all of that experience with me, so I wouldn't swap that. So interesting. Yeah, I'd go through it all again. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you still receive coaching, do you still place a massive emphasis on goal setting for yourself? Oh, if I'm being truthful, this is one area that I'm not great at. Right. I do. Let me let me put it a phrase it in a different way. I'm not someone who sets huge, mm. big, in five years, I want to have a business that's doing this, this and this. But I think about what do I want to do in the next six to 12 months that's going to make me feel the way that I want to feel. Mm. So connection is my word for this year. So what are the things that I'm wanting to do that are more connection? Mm-hmm. So I'm wanting to create an online program in my business. I do want to do my own podcast. I will do it. I promise i'll do it you're speaking into existence now. yes exactly i wanted to do some i wanted to do a creative project each year to get back to that creativity that i had when i was a child i want to be more connected to my family so you know there's more things that i do so i goal set as such yeah. but it's on a much smaller scale well it's your version of it's goal my set. version and then what i do um in you're in my home you'll see them there's one there then i create a vision board to uh, yeah. keep me Aligned, You know, yeah. it's like the lighthouse. Keep remembering what you're aiming for. Yeah. So sometimes it's simplistic things. You know, I've got things on there that I want to grow a vegetable in my garden next summer. Yeah. So now in the winter, I need to start prepping about what that's going to look like. So, and I think I heard Joe talk about it as well. You know, it's all short term for me because what's the world going to look like? I don't know what my world's going to look like in 12 months. Mm. So, yeah, I do want to improve. I do set them, but they're just a bit more loose for me it's more from that place of how do I want to feel Mm. and if I want to feel that way what do I need to change in my life and what do I need to carve out time for and then make that happen and if that isn't working and I get bored Mm. then if it's not taking me where I want to go then you just drop it yeah I agree. I love it. I do think it's good to know, to write it down, what do I want? And I do that in my journal. Yeah. You know, what do I want right now? And some of it could be, I just want a good night's sleep. I want a bath. I want to have more time with my family. And then it's just, okay, how can I put that in this week? Because I think sometimes a goal, you're focusing on creating this future and you're so hell-bent. I've done it. You know, yeah. when, I, when I first started out um, learning how to do goals, because I, I was crap at doing goals. Right. I just didn't have ambition. I didn't have a vision. Mm. I'd never done it. Um, but you can get so caught up in where you're going that you're not actually enjoying where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find a lot of with people who are really hell-bent on setting goals. They're not enjoying the journey. So I think, you know, know what you want. It doesn't need to be massive in the future. It can be this month the next 12 months whatever works for you but just getting really clear what do you want and how do you want to feel Mm. and then creating from that space completely agree i heard a really sweet quote about that it was yesterday was history tomorrow is a mystery today is a gift and that's why they call it the present yeah you've nailed that that's exactly what it is yeah I, in my head i was like get the words right but yeah i heard it you did. yesterday but, but yeah that was it's so true i really struggle with it yeah because i'm naturally quite ambitious i don't know where that came from but well you're a d personality so yeah. so in my head you it's... are naturally wired to be that you're all that i'm always looking at the next thing right there's it's something i've had to teach myself to be like no no, no enjoy what you're doing yeah. 
because it's hard I, like I'm always thinking of the end or yeah. the next thing so it's it's a really hard thing to put into practice yeah because when I first started to do goals then I got obsessed with I need to have this many followers I need to do this yeah. and that and and I was creating goals from a place of what I think I should be doing right. rather from a good energy. So I was chasing goals that actually didn't mean anything to me because everyone else was doing it, because it's the thing that you should be doing. Yeah. And now they, they can be whatever you want them to be. Completely agree. For me, it's like if, you don't feel, if you're creating a goal and it don't feel good, bin it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't give a shit what everyone says about you. If you don't have goals, you don't have ambition, you don't have this. You know, it can be sometimes if you don't have goals, it, it, people can look at that from a negative point of view. But if your goal is just to be happy each day of your life and to be a kind human being and to do whatever you can for other people in the planet, that's a pretty friggin' awesome goal to yeah. wake up every day and that to be your inner mission. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Do you know what the 2020 word for you is yet? No, but now we're in autumn, I will start to think about it. Yeah. So interestingly, it was about this time last year that I started to think about what my word for 2020 was. And again, it was from this place of we're told as people who run your own business that you need to be visible, you need to be connecting, you need this many people to be able to convert them into customers. You know, we're talking about people, not robots. You know, it's very clinical. Um, And I was not great at social media. I was never consistent. Mm. And so my word to start with around this time was visibility. So I was like, visibility is my word, visibility is my word. And then I thought, well, you can be visible, but what's the point in that? I I can be everywhere, (laughs) but if I'm talking shy or if I'm not in the mood and I've got nothing to say and there's no real connection, what's the point in being visible? So then I changed it. So normally what I do is I choose a word and then I sit with it and something will evolve from that first word. Yeah. So it takes time. Yeah. And actually, I know people who change it on a monthly basis. Yeah. And that's cool. I just do it because sometimes I just need a little bit of direction and like that internal compass to remember. But yes, I've been less on social media. I've been less online. But this year, today, I've had more connection in my life than I've ever had. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good. What are your hopes for 2020 with the imposter syndrome solution? Well, I want to reach more people, yeah. but I don't want to work more. Sure. So it's about the back to the life balance. Yeah. So I'm currently looking at how can I help more people in a group setting? Sure. So is that whether through, you know, in the workplace, I'm doing workshops, which I'm finding really good. Um, I'm still doing the one-to-one stuff because I think that's really valuable and some people need that one-to-one. But I think it's looking at how can I spread the message more whilst it's talked about so much more than it ever was. Mm-hmm. How can we talk about it more? Because even though we're talking about it, what I'm finding with people who work in the corporate world or, you know, different businesses, I think for entrepreneurs it's easier to talk about imposter syndrome because you haven't got a boss. Yeah. But I still think there's this stigma of in the workplace saying I'm experiencing imposter syndrome because then especially depending on the environment you work in it gives someone ammunition that Mm. there's a chink in your armour and it's a weakness and maybe it's because you're a female or maybe it's because Mm. you're from this background or that background for me it's 
spreading that positivity that in the workplace those conversations start to happen and it's supportive i can help people but how can we change the mindsets of people who run organizations to not just talk about it but then to actually do something about it because i went into one business and um Someone very senior in the business came up to me and said, oh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here today to do a workshop. I'm gutted I can't be in it because I've got some prior appointments because I suffer with imposter syndrome too. Whoa. And they whispered like that to me and I was like, that's, the, that's hitting the nail on the head. We're talking about it, but admitting it, we're not there yet. And is that because the environment's not right? Is that because we're not talking about it enough? So me is continue to spread the word, talk about it and actually help individuals work through it because you can manage and dissolve it it doesn't need to be the same if you're holding yourself back or if you're burning yourself out you know you've got the two ends of the spectrum it's just making a choice am I going to tackle this and actually start to tame that inner imposter I want to help more people do that I love that I love it if you could give one piece of advice for people that are considering going to self-employment what would it be don't believe the hype it's bloody hard work (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's rewarding don't get me wrong it's the it's the biggest and the best decision i've ever made but the hardest decision because it's tough Mm -hmm. so i would say if i could start my time again is find people who are doing what you do they don't need to be doing the same industry. So you could have another entrepreneur, like I said about Becky, she does nutritional therapists. Is finding people that you can bounce ideas off. You can ask them to look at something. You know, if you work in the workplace, you probably walk over to someone's yeah. desk and say, can I just run something by you? Yeah. <laughs> when you start out on your own, it's a, it's a really lonely place. I've talked yeah. in the past about how I've suffered with loneliness working for myself because I am actually designed to be in a team so find those people that you can confide in whether you're putting together a proposal am I charging too much am I you know sometimes you need a coach and sometimes you just need a colleague yeah to say I'm having a shit day can you listen to me or can I ask you about this idea that I've got I have a circle of people around me now that if I'm having a wobble or I'm not sure what to do or I know that they've done it before we have this circle where it's reciprocal Mm -hmm. so you don't want to be in a relationship where you're just give 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 and nobody gives anything back is find a circle of people that you are all willing to help each other and that you will go to them sometimes and then they will come to you you know and you will be on the end of the phone that you know they might be going into a pitch and they're shitting themselves outside and they're ringing they go I need you to talk me out of this wobble that I'm having. And you do. But you know that they'll be at the end of the phone if you ever need them. So it's find those people who are aligned with who you are, what you value, maybe who have common goals to you, similar ambition, and support each other and just create this tribe of people that you're just going to help each other. I wish I'd have had that before. Yeah. I didn't have that to start out with, but just recognise it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. It's easier to be an employee than it is to be self-employed, but the benefits far outweigh the toughness that you have to go through. And it's for me, it's that security because I don't have that. It's being okay with one of my top values isn't being met all the time, but it's okay. I've just changed what security means to me. Yeah. Right, Trish, before I ask you the final four questions, how can everyone find you? So, 
Uh, you can find me on my website, which is trishabarker.com. Yeah. I am on Facebook and Instagram under the Imposter Syndrome Solution, although I've just been talking to you today. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to change it to the Imposter Solution. I like it. So find me there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I'll put everything in the show notes. Yeah, by me, cool. Just in case I forget anything, I'd rather you say. Yeah. Right. I'm going to ask the final four questions. Yeah. I ask all the guests these questions, but they're <laughs> I feel the like I'm in the mastermind one. chair yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> We're going deeper. I feel like we've been deep already. I know. These are okay. These are naturally. Gonna... They're designed to be deeper. I guess. Good. I'm a scuba diver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. Go so on. The, the first Hit question. Me. What's one thing in your life that you're proud of overall? I did this recently when I was um, on a course at Preston University. The biggest, proudest thing I've done is walking away from the corporate job, making that leap from something that was secure, that financially set me up in a good way, taking the leap into the unknown Mm -hmm. and following a dream that I had. That's the proudest moment. I love it. What's one piece of life advice that you'd give to listeners? I would say don't get caught up in chasing material things that you never know when circumstances with people in your life will change. So cherish that and just make more time for the people in your life. Family are really important. They'll always be there. You know, and the friends that you choose as your family, put them at the centre of everything and everything else is built around that. Mm. Keep them at the heart of everything. What are three characteristics slash personality traits that you'd say you've built your life upon up to this point? Oh, I would say a sense of humour and fun. That's going to have to be there through everything, even through all those dark times. I always found a sense of humour and a sense of fun, maybe doing it in the wrong way through drinking and things like that. But (laughs) I've always weaved it into everywhere. So that sense of, of fun... I think that place of curiosity, of following, you know, what what makes you feel good and discovering things, new things, new adventures or old things that you've forgotten about. And I think love, that love and connection that you have with family. Yeah, I love it. Final question. I've yeah. got to read it, so bear with me. Yeah. Many years into the future, your time as Trisha Barker is coming to an end. Yeah. The person closest to you only has one sentence to describe you and your life here on earth. What would you hope that would be? She cared. I love it. Awesome. I want people to say I cared. Good. About people, the planet, animals. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Trisha. Oh, I really thank you appreciate for it. Me. You were absolutely amazing. I, I could have easily asked about another hour's <laughs> worth of questions, but I really appreciate it. It's so easy to- chatting to you. It's been, it's been lovely. Thank you. I can't wait for your podcast. Oh, you're going to kick my ass now, aren't you, to get that done? Oh, it needs to happen. It needs to be kicked. (laughs) The podcast needs to happen. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, Trish. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.